0: We are very excited to have Alana Margulies-Snyderman with us today. Alana comes to us from Eisner Amper. Many of you know Alana from her excellent podcasts, um, or before that, her work at HFM covering private capital. So please, if you haven't listened to Alana's interviews, look them up on Eisner Amper's site or wherever you get your podcasts. They're very informative. I've been listening to them. They're excellent. Uh, Alana is the Senior Manager, Manager of Publications with Eisner Amper's marketing group. She oversees publications and thought leadership for the firm's largest industry groups and service lines. That role gives her a unique perch from which to survey the best thinking and trends that are setting up for 2022. Alana is also an expert in asking the right questions, how to spot what's important, and share the right stories. Today, I'm really looking forward to turning the tables on the interviewer. And I'm Alana Margulies Snyderman, but I'm very excited to ask you about what you're seeing today. So let's jump right in to talk about 2022. You came to Eisner Amper from HFM and covering the hedge fund industry. At Eisner Amper, you've been working on both the alt side and private equity. What's interested you about private equity, including from your conversations with leaders in recent months? And in particular, what are you hearing about what's coming in 2022?
1: Um, Well, one, thank you, Paul and Four Pines for having me here today. I'm really excited, and like you said, it's nice being on the other side of the table since I'm the one throughout the nearly 20 years of my career who's done the majority of interviews. So just a little bit of background, I was at Institutional Investor on one of their newsletters called Alternative Investment News, and that was back in 05, if I recall, and that's where I really learned about private equity alongside the hedge fund industry. And then at h H&M Week Magazine, it was mostly hedge funds with a little bit of private equity as you know, some of the... The bigger back in the day, if you recall, some of the bigger PE funds were foraying into hedge funds and hedge funds foraying into private equity. So I feel like even though at HFM week, I did mostly hedge funds, I kind of feel like I always touched on private equity. And with respect to your question about PE industry trends. So there are a couple that are a few that are top of mind now. So I'd say the one that everyone's talking about is, of course, ESG. And Just for I'm sure all of you on the webcast know what it is, but it's an acronym for environmental, social, and governance. And ESG is really a priority for the private equity industry because the end investors, limited partners, are really pressing the PE funds and the PE portfolio companies to really integrate ESG into their portfolios. And of course, that's trickling down to the service providers, hence, Four Pines and other service providers in the industry are also actively finding ways to have ESG focus with their not only business operations, but also some of the solutions where they partner with funds to provide. Um, And then as far as other industry trends, I'd say, you know, in the early start of the year, there have been some pretty big fund launches. So fundraising should be pretty hot right now, especially with the growth capital funds and the tech-oriented funds in this space. But of course, everyone has to keep in mind the higher interest rate issue right now. And then I guess the third thing that we're seeing from seat and Isra and our private equity group is the focus on valuations, given how high they've been. So I'm not sure if that answers your two-part question, Paul. Absolutely.
0: No, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And one particular buzzword that we're hearing a lot in our conversations, and I think a lot of folks in our industry know that is important, but just haven't quite made out why and what to do is about blockchain and crypto. So I know you may not be an expert, but you're an expert in looking out for trends and spotting what's important. What's on your radar right now with regards to that, that you don't hear people talking about enough?
1: Yeah, sure. So you're correct, Paul. I am not an expert on crypto. And Isa the ramper, I think at the end of last year, we recently launched a crypto group. So that way we could service clients in the crypto space with some of the service offerings. So obviously, you know, the financial services industry was really, I guess, the first player in it. And then as a result of the extreme gains and performance as of late, it's really garnered a lot of interest from the general public as a whole Um, and i think you know some of the benefits are you know if you you could lend you know buy your stake on or crypto at a more favorable rate than at a bank so that's a really attractive proposition right now however on the other hand it's also important to point out the risks associated with crypto for example the smart contracts, susceptibility to hackers, and as well, given how volatile it is, the risk is heightened of losing your money in crypto. So that's something that investors have to keep in mind.
0: That's great. Thank you. So, And considering the number of public conversations you're having with leaders in the private equity industry, who do you think are the most interesting people right now? What are the names out there that many people may not know, but you've got your eye on?
1: Yeah, so there are um, great question, Paul, there are a couple that come to mind right now. Uh, so one I wanted to mention is Atwater Capital, they're a private equity firm in Los Angeles founded by Vanya Schlugel, and they invest in the media and entertainment industry. And she's really made a big splash in raising assets. And I think she really picked a niche industry to focus on and also I'm very impressed with her background. She worked at Jay-Z's Rock Nation as the chief investment officer, uh, which is a very interesting background for someone. And then also she worked at KKR. And then another firm that really stands out is Star Mountain Capital. They're based in New York City, launched by Brett Hickey. And I think they're really inspiring everything they're doing for job creation and ESG as well. And they've been around a lot longer and they're a lot bigger. So I think those are two very different ones, but they're both really inspiring to watch.
0: Great. Now I'm excited to talk about how you do your job. Um, which I'm trying to do here. I'm not doing it as well as you, um, but you write what's most interesting or, or help others get thinking and proof together in a way that's useful to others and themselves. My first question is, is what are the best questions that yield the most interesting insights?
1: So Paul, that's a great question. You're doing a very great job interviewing me today. So I think it really depends on the medium of the news outlet and how long the conversation will be. So when I do my podcasts, they're an average about 10 minutes in length. Usually I like to start the conversation with the fund manager, basically learning about their background and how they got to where they are today, because everyone's road is very different. And that really sets the stage for their current investing remit and outlook. And for, I also, in addition to the podcast, I have a weekly piece for Eisner Amper called Trends Watch. And every Thursday, a blog comes out where I interview an alternative investment fund manager, whether it's a hedge fund, private equity fund, real estate fund, et cetera. And since those are shorter, usually the first question I ask the manager is a question about what is your outlook for your specific investment strategy? And that's a good way for readers, whether it's potential investors or even service providers like Four Pines, to really learn firsthand about the fund and their investment remit. So. Oh, Excellent.
0: So how do you come up with your podcast topics? I noticed there's a, lot, a variety of obviously new topics that are obviously hot in the, in the industry right now. So just a little background on that.
1: Yeah, sure. So I actually started uh, the Isa Amper podcast series. My podcast series called Engaging Alternatives at the height of the COVID pandemic in the summer of 2020. After one of my private equity contacts in San Diego asked if I have a podcast series. So I reached out to the managing partner of our financial services group at ISR Amper, Peter Cogan. And I said, I got, I've got, i got an interest from a private equity fund to do a podcast. Could we give this a try? And we did. And it was one of the top ranked podcasts that month when it launched that summer. And then given ever, all the events that transpired in 2020, obviously the big push with DEI, I try to focus the majority of my podcasts on managers that fit the DEI bill, or if the firm is doing something with DEI, then like I mentioned earlier, ESG has also been top of mind for the space as well. So I also try to focus on firms or managers that really are proactively looking at ESG, whether on the you know, firm level or in their portfolio level.
0: Oh, great. And following that, as a former reporter, do you have advice you think is useful for folks in private capital and both why they should get engaged the news media and then how? So I'm really asking. Yeah,
1: well, that's a great question. And being a former journalist and being in this industry for nearly 20 years, you know, I get a lot or I've gotten a lot of funds that said we cannot talk to media, given the different rules and advertising, since a lot of funds construed as advertising. But at the end of the day, if they follow the rules, and I think there are statistics that reveal that those funds that engage with media, raise more assets. And there are a couple of ways that they could do that. So one, they could hire their own internal public relations or communications person, or they could hire an outsourced PR firm to help as well. And the communications person, whether internal or external, could help with everything from crisis management. For example, if there's negative publicity on a fund, or they could help get, you know, their news in front of reporters or help them get to different conferences as well to help raise their profile.
0: Oh, great. And in, in coverage of our industry, a lot of attention is paid to asset managers, GPs, et cetera. Less attention is often paid to the parts of the ecosystem serving those asset managers, both on the technology and professional services side. So if we can come back to your 2022 insights, are there, are there things on that side that you would think are particularly interesting that we haven't discussed yet?
1: Uh, with respect to the service providers, yeah. I guess, yeah, so I think it it's kind of come full circle, the pandemic, because as you recall, after the Madoff scandal in 2008, that really highlighted the need for admins, you know, independent fund admins in the industry and that's when funds and investors realize the importance of having you know independent administrator and an independent auditor and i think with the covid pandemic the less last- two plus years right now, I think the pandemic has also highlighted the need for service providers on different fronts with re- you know, initially remote working to hybrid working, which you know, still exists today. And even though people are returning to the office, service providers have been instrumental in solving you know, potential cybersecurity issues and having technology where firms could work remotely. So I think, you know, it's kind of come full circle, the importance of service providers during these times.
0: Absolutely. And I know you had mentioned in the beginning about ESG. Uh, Obviously, that's becoming increasingly important. Can you tell us what areas that you feel aren't getting enough attention, attention and why from that perspective?
1: Yeah, sure. So from the private equity industry, I would say the e-component or environmental is maybe not as important as the other components to the private equity industry, since the only physical asset they have you know, a, a private equity firm is an office, so they don't really have to worry about things like energy management, whereas, you know, the social and governance issues are a lot more important, especially also on the portfolio company level for, you know, smaller companies, they really want to relay, you know, how they're practicing the social and governance aspects.
0: Sure. And then finally, like every good reporter, I want to ask you, what have I missed? Are there some particular points you want to make sure we cover before we go to questions in a few minutes about, I mean, from people who have joined us today?
1: Uh, Well, great question, Paul. (laughs) Um, So like I touched on briefly, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, that's still a very hot area, and that will continue to be a hot area on various fronts in the alternative investment and private equity industry, from, you know, investor mandates to, fund mandates to service provider mandates as well. So I think that's an area we have to continue looking out for. And then I guess one of the other things that's been kind of top of mind for the industry is all the SEC announcements or changes affecting the private funds industry. And I'm not an expert on all the intricacies involving them, but I think that will really impact the private equity industry that they'll need to do increased reporting on their form PF or report cybersecurity security attacks, or if private markets companies have to report to the SEC, I think that will really impact the industry as a whole.
0: No, absolutely. And We've been hearing a lot about the SEC regulation coming out soon. So that's interesting as well. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, oh,
1: thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: I know I'm not sure if we have any questions. Let me check here just from our crowd. Um, question one, what podcast do you, uh, does to listen to and like most, either for work or outside of work? Um, and any that you would recommend?
1: That is a very tough question. (laughs) Definitely one that has stumped me. I don't really have like a specific series I listen to. I will just like pull up something maybe on, for example, like women in business or women in careers. If I just read about one that's really, you know, that's gotten a lot of traction. I'll just, yeah, so it's kind of on an individualized basis. That's definitely a good question I was not prepared for. I <laughs> we have another
0: one on follow-up on that. Do um, you have reports or podcast episodes coming up from Eisner Amper that you're particularly excited about?
1: Yeah, sure. So I have two podcast series at Eisner Amper. So the one that I've had since 2020 is called Engaging Alternative Spotlight. And that's both hedge fund, private equity, real estate, managers and more alternative investment. And then at the beginning of this year, I also launched a private equity deal book podcast series, and that focuses more on deal making. So the first one the engaging alternative spotlight is monthly. And then the deal book one is going to start off quarterly. So the next one that I have coming up takes place on, um, Next week, I'm going to record it, so it should be out in March, and it's with Water Asset Management, and they're a fund that invests in water.
0: That's great. We'll make sure to listen.
1: Absolutely.
0: What's changed most from going from being a reporter covering the industry to being on the Eisner Amper side of things?
1: Good question. (laughs) So I think being a reporter at HFM Week and before that, institutional investor, it was... A lot of chasing fund managers when I'd hear rumors in the industry, whether it was people moves or whether it's funds shutting down, and that I don't have to do anymore. So it's not as much breaking news. Whereas now the news I do, it's more on my schedule. So. Yeah.
0: And then we have another one from one of the participants here. Are you seeing ESG having a bigger impact today at the manager GP level or from an investment perspective as GPs evaluate different investment opportunities?
1: I think to answer the question, I think it's both. Mm -hmm. I don't have any statistics, but I'm definitely hearing it from both sides, from the institutional investor side and from the fund manager side.
0: And while I was reading up on you previously, uh, I found that you do do a lot of charity work. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, sure. So I'm co-founder of Fit Cares, and we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And we're also an 1101.01 Puerto Rico tax exempt nonprofit. And we educate youth and communities through fitness in New York City, Puerto Rico, and then as a result of the pandemic, the US virtually. And we have various programs right now in New York City, including working with eighth graders at Isaac Newton Middle School in East Harlem. We work with YAI, an acronym for Young Adult Institute, and that's young adults with disabilities. We work with, uh, we did a summer program for chess in the schools for low-income high school students who play chess. We have an ongoing partnership with Cool Kids a Jewish community youth organization in Passaic, New Jersey, and that's youth with special needs, and that's once a week as well. And then in Puerto Rico, we do similar programs as well through the communities there. And also Puerto Rico, given all the challenges that people on the island have faced, my partner and founder, Jonah Serrano, who's Puerto Rican, we set up a chapter there in 2017 because he was really passionate about uplifting his Native people. So we went for my first time, but his first time in a while in 2017, and set up our Puerto Rico tax exemption. And then our uh, due to generous supporters in the alternative investment industry, including manager service providers, as well as people in Puerto Rico, That's we're very thankful that we're able to provide so many programs to so many groups that need it with these generous supporters.
0: Wow, that's, that's awesome. Um- Thank you so much. I mean, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to, and from all of us at Four Pines. It was enormously Absolutely. And helpful and really gets us thinking about the year we're entering now.
1: Absolutely. So
0: all of us, thank you so much. I am certainly will be listening to your podcast.
1: And thank you for having me. This is a really fun conversation.
0: Wow. Thank you. Have a great day and I uh, look forward to speaking soon.